Welcome, and thank you for downloading Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Here at Movement, we are passionate about God's Word and helping each other move closer to God. Thank you for choosing to grow with us today. And now, here's our lead minister, Bobby Wallace. talk really loud and uh, let you guys know that uh, I am tired. I am tired. I'm next level running through the airport about 11 o'clock at night and uh, getting home at 1 a.m. tired and uh, it was a great trip. We had our Mexico mission trip. Um, let me get this other microphone and tell me Hello. Hey, whoa. Y'all gonna wake up now. But uh, I am I am a little bit tired, and so I'm gonna ask you guys to pray with me. Um, it's warm in here. I'm not gonna deny that. We were hoping that that'll be fixed by next week. It's gotten a little bit cooler, so hey, it's something to be thankful for, right? But uh, let's pray. God, you are God. And I pray, Father, that as we spend time in your word today, that you would help us to just get rid of every distraction, every worry, every care, and just hear what you got to say. Pray that you'd be with me, Father. I pray that you would give me wisdom, help me to be strong, and uh, help uh, each of us as hearers, God, both myself and everybody in this room and everybody watching online, help us to be ready to hear what you have to say, not to our neighbor, not to our, our husband, our wife, our friends, our kids, but to us. Help us to hear your word and your truth today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, We are doing a pretty neat sermon series, at least in my opinion. And as you see, it's called My Favorite Sermon. And uh, I'm going to let Scotty work on that while I'm telling you a little bit about that. Pay no attention to the man behind the dude. Okay. Uh, But anyway, we... uh, Thank you, sir. So... Um, we are doing this new series called My Favorite Sermon, and uh, we've got some guest speakers that are going to be coming through uh, this entire month. And I'm going to tell you a whole lot more detail about that and why that is, uh, because it's got a lot to do with what we're talking about today. Um, but there are some really, really cool people that are going to be coming and sharing God's Word with us, and uh, I get to do one. Honestly, when I was trying to think of my favorite sermon, I had a hard time trying to figure out, okay, what would be my favorite sermon that I've preached, or even some, you know, there's a few sermons that other people have written that I've loved and I've preached. Uh, Maddie's granddad preached a, an amazing sermon that I've preached many times over uh, that one day I'll, I'll share with you as well. But uh, my wife said, this is my favorite because honestly, it led to us coming to plant movement and sort of getting out of our comfort zone. Um, but we're talking about today about heroes. When I was a kid, my hero was Magic Johnson. Does anybody remember Magic Johnson? He's still around, still vibrant still um, you know, running businesses, all this sort of stuff. But he was a basketball player for the Los Angeles Lakers, probably the best point guard to ever play basketball. And I loved watching him play. Um, and then I even got to see him play live in person finally when I was like, I don't remember how old I was, like maybe early high school, middle school, I can't remember how old it was. And uh, it ended up being his first last game. Um, he retired soon after. And if you know the story of Magic Johnson, you know what I'm talking about. Um, But it came out just a few days later that because of some really poor life decisions, he had contracted the HIV virus. And you want to talk about crushed. I was crushed. 
And, and you, if you're not into sports and, and you don't know all that, you're like, I don't have any clue why you'd be upset about that. But I adored watching him play basketball. And, you know, I tried to pass like him, you know, throw behind the head, behind the back passes. And I mean, I loved it. And then just to hear that he had this basically like this double life that he had been living, making really, really bad decisions. It was heartbreaking for me. But I will tell you that uh, the truth that I found out is that heroes will let you down. They really will. They're, they're going to make mistakes. But I have a new hero, and uh, that hero is a guy by the name of Stephen Reed. Some of y'all know Stephen Reed. He went with us on our Mexico mission trip. Um, when we were flying from Mexico City into Atlanta last night, we got to circle Atlanta for about an hour. They wouldn't even like swing down, let us stop by Varsity and get a cheeseburger, nothing. But we just circled Atlanta. Y'all ain't never been to Atlanta, evidently. Y'all know what I'm talking about. But we circled Atlanta, and then so we land. We had to go through customs, get our bags, recheck our bags, and this cut our time short to get to our connecting flight. And so we were like pretty much, we, we weren't sprinting, but we were speed walking, you know, through the airport to get to our flight. And Stephen forgot or lost his uh, AirPods on the plane, and so he had that extra added things. He had to go back and arrange that, and he made it to the plane. We made it probably with about 10 minutes to spare before they took off. He made it with about three minutes, and man, I was, he's my hero. He made it. He made it. He made it. He made it. I did not want to face Bethany with, you know, leaving him in Atlanta overnight, although she might have been really happy. I don't know. Maybe some extra time, but I was really, really thankful uh, to see his face when he got on that plane. We were telling every, uh, you know, airline worker, every flight attendant, everybody could say, we got a friend coming, we got a friend coming, we got a friend coming, please wait, please wait, please wait, and he made it. But the truth is this, is that if you have a hero, they will let you down. Even Steven. That was an old TV show, wasn't it? But anyway, even Steven, even, you know, anybody except God, except Jesus, except the Holy Spirit will let you down. And Hebrews chapter 11 is a really powerful chapter of scripture. And a lot of people call it the heroes of the faith. And it lays out several different people. Some you know really well, and then some you might not have ever heard before until you're reading Hebrews chapter 11. But you see these people like Noah and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses and David. And these are people that a lot of us, we think of, if you've grown up in church or you've heard some of these Bible stories, you think of them as, the, as these spiritual giants, right? They've got all these answers. Man, they saw God. They walked with God. They talked with God. They might have even wrestled with God. I mean, it's, it's just crazy the things that they experienced. But here is the truth that we have to realize. All of these people in Hebrews chapter 11 were exactly that. They were people. They were people who sinned, they got angry, they sinned, they were impatient. Did I mention that they sinned? You know, they had some messed up lives. And if you just sort of, you know, I, you know, I don't know what your upbringing was like. You, this might be your first or second time to church. I, you know, I don't know exactly where. Maybe you grew up in church and heard all the Bible stories. But maybe you sort of heard the condensed, sort of cleaned up versions of the Bible stories. Of course, you're going to, you know, you're not going to tell little kids about the death and carnage at the flood. You know, you're going to talk about the animals and, you know, that kind of stuff. And that's part of it. But... You might not know the deep, dark details if you haven't really dug into Scripture, but every single one of these people that we call a hero of the faith made some really, really boneheaded decisions and committed some horrible sins and hurt people and hurt themselves. 
And I want you to know something you probably already know is that heroes are going to let you down. Abraham, he lied twice instead of trusting God, and he said two different times that his wife was his sister, mostly to protect his own neck. He didn't trust that God would take care of him for that little time. And then Jacob, he was a liar, and he was a cheater, and he was a coward. You know, he was so much of a cheater that his name literally means, you're pulling my leg. You know where we say that if somebody's messing with us? That's where it comes from, his name. His name literally is he grasps the heel because he was pulling his brother's leg as he came out of the womb, and then he pulled his leg many times over. He was just a guy who was full of flaws. Moses was a murderer, and you could describe him as a coward because he took off instead of facing the consequences. Samson was a womanizer, and I would say, and I I hate to use this term, but he was a fool. He was a foolish person. He just made dumb decisions. And David, who was a guy who was called a man after God's own heart, was an adulterer and a murderer to boot. But if you don't know that stuff, you look at them on the surface and you think, man, I wish I could be like them. I wish I could have the faith that they have. I wish I could have that sort of story where I picked up one, you know, stone out of five and I put it in a sling and I destroyed this giant or, you know, or I wish I could say I tapped this uh, stick and, and Red Sea parted. You know, you say, I wish I could have faith like that. I wish I could have a story like that. And you think, man, why, 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 why can't I? But if you know the deeper stories, you realize that they're a mess. You know, they are a mess just like you and me. They were all sinners. And that's why this chapter in Hebrews chapter 11 is called the hall of faith, not the hall of the flawless. How many of you, how many of us have not allowed God to do what he's called us to do because we feel like we've got to be perfect? And we think we just don't have what it takes. They didn't either. God was willing to use broken people because the truth is, is it's never been about us being good enough. It's about God being good enough to send his son to die for us. Ooh, I thought that would get a little more reaction. I know it's hot, but come on. That's good news. And y'all forgive me. I went to church with uh, a bunch of people from Mexico last week and they were pumped up, y'all. And so y'all got to step up your game. I just hate to tell you, but you got to step up your game. You got to show a little bit more life. I mean, we got to wake up, all right? I'm up here. I'm dragging. I don't know if any of y'all ran through the airport at 1 a.m. or, you know, 12 a.m. or whatever it was. I'm here. Y'all here? Okay. All right. We're here. We're here together. All right. So here's the thing. When you look at their lives and then you realize how messed up their lives were, And then you see still, okay, all the miraculous things that they were able to accomplish. Then maybe you got another complex. Maybe you got another thought. You're like, God, come on. I'm a mess too. Why don't you use me like you use them? And so either way, you're sort of confused or you're sort of feeling like, man, I'm missing out. Why doesn't God seem to use me like he used them? Maybe you and me. We pray for things like more passion for our spiritual lives. We pray for more huge things for God to show up. We pray that God would use us in spectacular ways, that we could tell stories about winning our neighbors to Jesus. And we do, maybe we're asking God to do all these things that we want to experience more of God. But sometimes when we pray, it's sort of like, crickets, right? Why not, God? 
here's something I want you to consider. Maybe we don't experience some of these life-changing, radical things that God shows up in. Maybe we don't have these life-changing prayers answered the way that we want because maybe we don't put ourselves in the kind of life-risking, faith-filled situations that those people did. You understand what I'm saying? These people followed God in radical ways when it was uncomfortable, when it was scary. And that's why God was able to show up. Because when all you have is God, that's it. He's got to show up or you will fail. But if you're living your life in a comfortable way, he doesn't have to show up and do anything. You know, he doesn't have to show up and and show his power in any single way. Look at Hebrews chapter 11 with me. We're going to look at a few different verses. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, beginning there, it says, By faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. And then skip down to verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice. Everybody, everybody listen to this. He who had embraced the promises. He was going to be the father of many nations. He was an old, old man and had not had one child was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned, and Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. Noah built a ship on dry land when it had never rained. And he's going to go build this massive, massive ship on dry land when it had never truly rained. The earth was sort of misted, sort of like a greenhouse before that time. And it had never truly rained because God said so. And that's why he did it. It was crazy to everybody around him. And they mocked him and they jeered him and they laughed at him. And Abraham left wealth and security and went to live in a threatening land and live like a nomad. He was the man and had land and service, had all this stuff. And then he just wanted wandered around. Why? Because God said so. And then later, after waiting to have that son that had been promised, Abraham was about to plunge a knife into the chest of this promised child. Why? Because God said so. So would you and I have what it takes to follow God into those dangerous places, those unknown situations? Could you leave everything behind just because God said so? 
Jerry Clower, the comedian who's long since passed away, uh, used to tell the story about, uh, he talked about Uncle Versi and Aunt Pet, this uh, husband and wife that were part of his family. And he said that, you know, they were riding in their old little putt-putt truck one time and had just, you know, a bench seat was all it was. And they were riding along one day and uh, Aunt Pet looked over at Uncle Versi and she says, Versi, I just don't know what's happened to us. When we used to drive this, riding this truck together, we used to be so close you couldn't see daylight between us. What's happened to our love and our relationship? And as he sat there, he was quiet for a few minutes and he was gripping the steering wheel with both hands and he looked over and said, I haven't moved. He's driving, y'all. He can't move. He can't move. She slid over, right? And my point is this. My point is this. Sometimes we think, man, I'm so distant from God, but we stopped being close to God. God hasn't moved in the sense of he hasn't left us, but we have left and moved away from him. Or we have ceased following him where he is leading us. We might have had a close relationship with God at one time, but we've stopped and we've sort of become comfortable. And that can happen with all of us, and we've got to realize it. We might describe ourselves as followers of Jesus, but if you haven't moved in quite some time, are you truly following? Faith is so much more than just belief, isn't it? You can't honestly read the Bible and believe that faith, like the Bible talks about, is just merely acknowledging facts about Jesus. There's no way that you can reconcile those two things. Yes, you have to believe facts and truths, and that salvation is based on the truth of Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. But see, that life part is important, too. You have to live the life that he's calling you to live and follow him. So you be true to his word, but you've got to redefine the culture's view. And sometimes we've even got to redefine the church's view of faith. Look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. It says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. That word earnestly is important there. It's, it's got some depth to it. When you are earnest, it means you're serious in intention, in purpose, in effort. You are sincerely zealous. That does not allow for casual following of Jesus, does it? That's it. To describe faith, you've got to have that earnestness, that zeal, that purpose, that excitement, that fire. And yes, your emotions will wane and they will go up and down and they will come and go, but you need to seek zealously and earnestly after Jesus. This does not allow for any casual watching or spectating of Jesus and his church. You are either a part of the church or you're not. And we need to follow and seek after him. So how do you know if you have that kind of faith? Have you felt any fear lately? Now, before I let you answer that question, I want you to really think about it honestly. Because our whole society now is a culture of what? Fear. We're afraid of everything. And the pandemic made it a billion times worse, right? I mean, you got to fear if there's going to be toilet paper now. I mean, you know, it's like... You're afraid of everything. And all of us can be very afraid. I'm not talking about just general fear, because if, if that's the question, then everybody's probably hands go up. Yeah. But what I'm talking about is when it comes to your relationship with Jesus, have you felt any fear lately as you're following him? That might send off some, you know, ding, 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 oh, oh, what's going on here? What do you mean by that? That doesn't sound right. That doesn't sound correct that you should have fear if you're following Jesus. But I want you to hear me out. 
Because the truth is, is if you follow Jesus, that he will lead us to places that cause us fear. He absolutely will. The world, and I would say the enemy, Satan, has deceived us into believing that there's a version of Christianity that is safe and that is comfortable. And we have bit that hook, line, and sinker, and so many people, thousands if not millions of people, have looked for and found that type of faith, but I would say it's not faith. It's just acknowledgement of facts, and it's just Jesus is a get-out-of-hell-free card, a little bit of insurance. That's not what faith is, and so what we have to understand is that if we're going to truly follow Jesus, he will lead us to places that cause us fear, and what we need to understand is this. We got to follow even though it will get risky. Jesus called Peter to not only follow him on the seashore, but also on the stormy seas as well. Am I right? He didn't just say, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. We're going to walk through towns and we're going to be sort of mini celebrities and you're going to do some miracles. He said, get out of the boat when the storm is raging. And that's when Peter really started to grasp what it meant to follow Jesus. It was great and it was difficult to follow him on the land, but it's a whole other thing to follow him on the raging seas. And so to follow Jesus is to be in a dangerous, uncomfortable place sometimes. I want you to think for a second, where did Father God, Jehovah, Yahweh, whatever you want to call him, his son, Jesus, where did, where did they lead their followers? You know, in Deuteronomy chapter 15, God tells uh, his people in reference to poor people in the land, he says, verse 10, give generously to them and do so without a grudging heart. Then because of this, the Lord, your God, will bless you in all your work and everything you put your hand to. There will always be poor people in the land. Therefore, I command you to be open-handed toward your fellow Israelites who are poor and needy in your land. So even under the old covenant, God told the Israelites, he said, you need to be giving and generous, even though it's fearful, even though it's scary to trust and say, am I going to have enough for my family? Am I going to have enough for what I need to take care of my kids? He said, give even when it may hurt. And then Jesus said in Luke chapter nine, verse three, he said this, he told them, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. He was telling his disciples when he was about to send them out to preach the gospel, he said, take nothing with you. I am going to provide for you. God will provide for you. And that is, when we read that, we're like, oh, that's a good story. That's really cool. But if Jesus showed up to us and told us that, what would we be doing? We'd be freaking out, wouldn't we? We can't, we're Nightdale, y'all. We couldn't drive to Raleigh without road flares, a first aid kit, bottle water, a pack of nabs, and a credit card. We just can't do it. We've got to be prepared, right? Oh, we've got to be prepared. We've got to be prepared for everything that could and might and probably will never go wrong. And I'm not saying be unwise. Don't, don't, don't let yourself get distracted by something silly like that. But we've got to understand that following Jesus sometimes will cause great fear and trepidation. And the sad fact is, is that many people, when they're trying to decide by which path to take in life, many believers will take the easy route and say that that's God's plan when very well God could be leading down the difficult path. And so we need to understand that when we follow Jesus, sometimes it will be in places of great fear. These people, these disciples traveled the countryside with nothing but their clothes on their back, and they experienced and lived out and carried out real faith. And so I want you to ask yourself, 
When was the last time that my faith led me into an uncomfortable and even a scary situation? And I don't mean uncomfortable because it's hot in here. (laughs) This ain't it. When was the last time that your faith led you into an uncomfortable or even a scary situation? Because I want you to know that following Jesus requires faith, and faith requires fear. Comfort is the absence of fear. It's the absence of fear, and we love being comfortable. Most of us will lit, wear clothes that are long past their you know, cool factor expiration date because they're why? Comfortable. People will wear straight pajama pants to Walmart all the time. Why? Comfortable. I mean, they do all that. Men at Thanksgiving will watch TV with their pants unbuttoned around all the family. Why? Because it's... Y'all don't do that? Oh, yeah, right. Okay. But that's the thing. We like being comfortable. And, you know, our our first defense mechanism is this. Y'all still with me? Our first defense mechanism pops up, and you might be thinking, well, Bobby, you know, Scripture says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, that perfect love drives out fear. So I'm just learning to love perfectly, and that's why I don't have any fear. It's not because I'm comfortable. That's not what it is. You know, uh, I was told that one time this couple was getting married, and uh, this bride asked for a scripture reference to be written on her cake. And she asked for 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, which says, you know, perfect love casts out fear. But they made a mistake at the bakery, and they put John 4, 18, and left off the one at the beginning. And that scripture verse is a little bit different. It says, the fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. That one makes a big difference, right? Uh, you know, but 1 John 4, 18 says, perfect love casts out fear. And we might be tempted to say, well, that's all I'm doing. I'm loving perfectly. But because perfect love casts out fear, that's why we should never settle for just coasting in our faith. As we see God show up, we show love to him more and we see his love for us more. We've always got to go deeper. We have to follow Jesus everywhere he leads us, even when it's scary. Even when you feel yourself being stretched to the point of breaking, his love will begin to drive that fear up. But first you have to feel that fear. But if we don't keep following, we become lazy and comfortable and maybe even careless. You know, at the time, uh, at the sort of the turn of the century, years and years and years and years ago, when skyscrapers were being built in major cities, um, the construction companies would often hire uh, Native Americans from the Mohawk Indian tribe, who were known for being able to walk on great heights with no fear. And so they would hire those men to work on the high steel to build those great, great tall skyscrapers. But the problem was, is that they were very good at it, but in the other side of the coin was that that they often became so comfortable that they took unnecessary risk and many times would plunge to their deaths. And I think that many of us have sort of become like the Mohawk Native Americans with our relationship with God, is that we've heard about God and we've known God for so long, we forget that he is a holy, magnificent, mighty God who has called us to live a life that is sacrificed and poured out for him. But we've heard the story so many times, we become comfortable and we become complacent. And so we're just la-da-da-da-da-da-da, just treating God like he's just our fairy tale, that he's our fairy godmother or 
that, you know, he's our tooth fairy or that he's, you know, grant three wishes or whatever. And we forget that he is a holy, mighty God who if we see him face to face, we would fall down and we would cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. How dare we become so comfortable that we forget who we're called to live with and for. You know, it's a much more dangerous thing to become comfortable with the living God than to become comfortable working on high steel. Because following Jesus requires faith and faith requires fear. Can I tell you something that might not make sense to you? Um, this is my leap of faith right now. As I mentioned earlier, I'm going to be, uh, we're going to have several guest speakers this month and it's hard for me. I, I love to have people come and speak. You know, I have people like Stephen Reed and, and people from the outside come in, you know, every now, every now and then when I'm here, but mostly when I have to be away. But I was raised and experienced early in ministry um, the, the really silly idea from people that made me feel like that ministry wasn't real work. And so in the back of my mind, I always felt like I've got to do extra, I've got to do more, I've got to do more, or people are going to think that I'm lazy. And, and that's something I've struggled with. And up until a couple of years ago, and if you're not in ministry, you might not understand this, and you might be thinking, shut up and suck it up. But hear me out. Up until a couple years ago, I'd never taken two weeks off in a row. And you might think, well, I don't usually get a whole lot of two weeks off. But what I'm saying is this. I get a week where I don't have to preach. But even on my vacation, if I was not able to get ahead because of crazy schedule, I've got to work on a sermon to come back from vacation. And I can never rest my mind and my heart. And also because I'm teaching and preaching and doing all these other things, I couldn't be fed myself. And so I've been doing this for 23 odd, or about 26 years, 23 full time, teaching multiple times and preaching almost every single week, sometimes as much as 50 times a year. And if you haven't done it, you might think, oh yeah, suck it up, whatever. But it is draining. And so I learned a really neat idea of taking during this month a study break to take time to hear other people teach and to study God's word on an even deeper level and get my messages prepared even more in advance. I'm going to be here. I'm going to be doing ministry. We are going to a couple of camps where I will. I'm not perfect, y'all. I'm going to be speaking a couple of times, but it's stuff that I've been able to prepare in advance. But we're going to be around. We're going to be doing ministry. I'm going to be here on Sundays and all that kind of good stuff. But I'm going to be able to sit and listen. I'm going to be able to prepare and dig into God's word and get ready to preach without having to preach each week. And I, right now, as I'm saying this, my skin is crawling because I'm feeling like people are judging me. And if you are, you take that up with the Lord. That's okay. I'm, I'm going to try to learn. But here's the thing. I tell you that because it's terrifying for me. Not only do I have that fear that it was ingrained in me at a young age and early on in my ministry that ministry is not real work, I also have the fear of, you know, what's going to happen with the church? You know, how's it going to go? But I know that God has got it, and we've got a great church here of people who step up and do all sorts of things. When we were away on our mission trip last week, everything was going great, and God always shows up. And here's why I say that. That right now is my small leap of faith to say I'm going to rest my mind and my heart for a little bit so that I can do better in the future. I tell you guys all the time, you need to rest spiritually. And guess what I don't do? 
I don't rest spiritually enough. And so I'm going to try to do that. So I'm going to ask you to pray for me. Pray that Satan won't plague my mind and whisper all these little lies in my head. And pray that I will get rest and that I'll have a clear thought and I'll be fired up and ready to come back and, you know, you know preach for three hours each week. No, I'm just kidding. Like, oh, Lord. But here's what I want you to think about. What leap of faith, big or small, is God calling you to? You might not be impressed with this sermon. You'd be like, really? This is your best favorite sermon? You know why it's special to me and Sherry? Because I was preaching through the Bible. I had my stuff lined out, but I had to come up with my messages each week. And God kept sharing through me the idea like this, that following Jesus requires faith and faith requires fear. And I was challenging the people to, what I'll challenge you to do is share your faith and serve and give and, and love and do all these sorts of things. And then I realized that I was trying to do all those things, but I wasn't doing anything to stretch my faith. And I realized as God pierced my heart with an arrow that I had been running from planting a church in Nightdale for about 16 years. And I finally heard him loud and clear. You're in the boat telling people to get out of the boat. I mean, you, my life would probably be terrifying to a lot of you guys. But what I was doing, it was comfortable. And so I said, me getting out of the boat is going and planting a church. So we picked up our family and we moved to Nightdale, not truly knowing anybody. And here we are, six years later, God has shown up. Amen. Praise God. So maybe you hear the call today to follow Jesus for the first time. Or maybe you hear the call to follow Jesus again on a deeper level. Maybe you need to feel some fear and some discomfort as you follow Jesus and get into some difficult situations because the light shines brightest in the dark. It's time to get out of the boat. It's time to get out of your comfort zone and follow where he leads. Maybe this morning you've been hearing for weeks or years or months the call that you need to serve on a deeper level or you need to start serving at church and, and not only just come and sit and participate, but serve and help other people. Maybe you need to have been hearing this call to get deeper in the word of God and you're like, I just don't have time. I just don't have time. I just don't have time. Or maybe the consequences of studying God's word scare you a little bit. But maybe God's calling you to that. And maybe you see the same person every day or every week and you know you need to share your faith with them and you've just been afraid. So maybe God's calling you to that. Or maybe for some time you've been holding on to a grudge and unforgiveness and you just need to let it go and God is saying, follow me and trust me, I'm going to provide. Or maybe you know that God has been calling you to be baptized into Jesus Christ and you've been waiting and you've been making excuses and you've been fearful. Maybe today is the day for that. It's time for you to take the next step, and you know what it is. But if you don't know what it is, I want you to take the next few moments and pray. And say, God, help me to see what my next step is. Out of the boat, onto the waves. Or if you know what it is, don't wait anymore. Take it today. Follow Jesus now because the true question is if not now when the time is now following Jesus 
requires faith. And faith requires fear. But if you sink, Jesus is right there, ready to pull you up. He's able. Thank you for listening to Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Want to learn more about us? You can do that by visiting our website at movementchristianchurch.com or on our app available on iOS and Android devices under Movement and